Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Weekend Warrior, every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. On ESPN LA 710. Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court. The field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 33 years and counting. Wow! What a week I had in surgery. It's just awesome. Ten big surgeries. Five on Wednesday and another five yesterday. I worked late last night, but... Couldn't wait to get up to be with you as I am each and every Saturday for all these years, 12 years, over 500 shows. And I'm so excited for today's show, especially. This is a radio show. It's hearing, it's sound bites. And a lot of the sound that I will use are interviews with people, many of them who are deceased, but thank God. Their interviews have been preserved by the METV legends. You can go on YouTube and listen to it. And my guest at 8.15 is Jody Delaney, who's the director, an executive director of the TV archives, responsible for keeping these museum piece sound bites, essentially. You remember a couple of months back, did a whole show about Larry King interviewing Frank Sinatra and how that made his mark in radio and then in television. Well, those sound bites came from the METV legends. And Jody Delaney at 815 is going to teach us all about it. But it made me think all week, what exactly is an Emmy? An Emmy, like an Oscar, like a Tony Award, like a Grammy Award, is a prize you get in the world of art and music as an individual, right? They all stand up there and say thank you and appreciate all the love and respect because they won this individual award. But the reality is you ain't winning it unless people around you are helping you achieve what you want to achieve individually. And the gracious ones, the ones who are secure, who are true, beautiful human beings, can't wait to thank the people that helped them along the way. And those are the sound bites that I cherish. With social media and the way the world has changed, it's all about me, 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 me. But the reality is, it ain't about you, you, you. It's about the team. And in the world of art, the world of sports, and in my world of surgery, 
You are not doing it alone. Oh, thank you, Dr. Clapper. I can walk again. I don't have pain anymore. Yeah, you're welcome. But I can't do it without nurses, the technologists, both x-ray techs, surgical techs, my office, my physician assistant, the great D. Lee. I can't do it alone. And I appreciate the comments and the gratitude. And yeah, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of time that I had to give up being in the library and studying and all. Yeah, but the reality is you don't do it alone. So it made me think all week, where in my lifetime did I hear that beautiful deflection happen in art, in music, in sports, and in surgery? Well, in the world of art, in the world of television, which Jody Delaney is going to teach us about, I'm going way back, 1972, one of my favorite TV shows was Columbo because it was so different than any other detective show. Peter Falk, who, by the way, brought his own clothes to do the show. That crazy raincoat he used to wear, it was his own. I think it's in the Smithsonian now. But Peter Falk actually was Colombo and I actually got to sit next to him at an art class in New York City where I was studying anatomy for artists at the Art Student League. And sure enough, Peter Falk is sitting next to me. Apparently, he liked to paint and draw, and he used to take classes there. It was pretty cool to actually talk to him and sit next to him. He has long since passed away. But this show was amazing because the design of the show, William Link and Dick Levinson, two guys who came together to say, well, let's do a detective show differently. Let's tell you from the beginning of the show who did it, who's the murderer, and we'll show you how they did it. So you as the audience already know. The only person who doesn't know are the police, the people that matter. And the detective Columbo has got to now figure out something that you already know. It was so awesome to do it the opposite of what you'd expect. Well, when Peter Falk in 1972 wins the Emmy, he, he gives this hilarious speech, which you're going to hear. But at the end of the speech, it's almost an, oh, by the way, I got to thank that young pup writer, 20 years old. By the way, the young pup, pup director was Steven Spielberg. But the writer was Stephen Bochco. And thanks to this archive, we can hear an interview with Stephen Bochco, who also at age 74 tragically passed away, too young, and went on to write so many TV shows, Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, just so many other amazing treasures in the world of TV, Stephen Bochco. But you're going to hear Stephen Bochco say, when he, Peter Falk, got that Emmy in 1972 and thanked me, that little pisher, I was only 20 years old, in my little cubicle, contributing as a writer to the show, he thanked, that made my career. Peter Falk, gracious enough to thank everybody along the way, 
but especially to thank someone who was brand new at it, who's awesome. And you're going to now hear Stephen Bochco talking about how that made his career. And what about in the world of sports? I listened to Shannon Sharp get his Hall of Fame speech, thanking his grandma. What an amazing speech. You should check it out on YouTube. It was awesome. But I would say, hands down, in my lifetime, with Lou Gehrig saying I'm the luckiest man alive with having AML, now called Lou Gehrig's disease, thanking everybody. Gracious. It's probably the greatest. But I got to tell you, and you better have a box of Kleenex nearby, because when you hear again in 2013 the NBA MVP award to Kevin Durant, thanking his mother, saying, no, I ain't the MVP, it's my mom. But also you're going to hear in his speech him thanking Karan Butler, his teammate, who he only had for a few weeks, and how important Karan Butler was already in that moment when Kevin Durant gets the award. It's fantastic to hear someone getting this individual award, recognizing I didn't do it by myself. And let me tell you something. You watched last night the Lakers horribly losing to Sacramento. It's unwatchable. I get it if you're Houston and you have no stars and they're a terrible team or San Antonio. But we have, we have MVP caliber players. And you're telling me we can't do better than 2-10? and 10? Well, guess why? Because we don't have Caruso. We don't have the people that you got to thank that make it happen. Same thing for the Rams. Good luck on Sunday. I'm not so sure they're going to beat the Cardinals. I hope they do. But you know why? Yeah, they got Matthew Stafford. Yeah, they got Cooper Cup. But we don't have Whitworth. We don't have players that actually you need on your team to make the stars get those fancy schmancy awards. It's very important to learn this lesson. And that's why housing these interviews from these classic moments in television, in the arts, to recognize the people behind the scenes. Remember Jack Klugman from Quincy? I'll never forget the soundbite we had. This has got to be six months ago. Where his brother, and Jack Klugman's passed away also. Thank God we have these soundbites. His brother got bone cancer. So Jack Klugman feels bad that his brother is dying in Philadelphia and he's getting all this success. So he calls his brother. You know what? What are you doing over there? You're going to die in Philadelphia. It's freezing cold. You should come out here and live with me. This is what Jack Klugman says to his brother, Pete. So Pete flies out, lives high on the hog in his brother's house, and gets bored after a couple of weeks and says to his brother, who's a famous actor already, you know, I'm sitting here doing nothing. I think I'd like to work on your TV show. And Jack Klugman goes, Pete. You're in the schmata business. You know, you sell tires. I forgot what it, what it is that he did for a living. You don't know anything about this business. Stop it. Just enjoy the fact that you can stay in my house. And in this unbelievable interview, Jack Klugman says, 
Relax, Pete. You're not in this business. No, 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 Pete says. I have an idea for your show, and I got another idea. And Jack Klugman reads this script that his brother, who doesn't know anything about TV, writes and goes, this is ridiculous. You don't know anything about the TV. And he gives it back to him. You know, the brother wouldn't stop. And he ends up writing something. And Jack Klugman uses that script. You know what Jack Klugman ends up saying in this interview? We ended up using 17 scripts that my brother wrote. And we won Emmy Awards with those scripts. Who would even know that this happened? But thank God for these archives to hear these stories of behind the scenes. People ask me all the time, Dr. Clapper, you're a sculptor. How did you, how did you become a sculptor in, in marble that Michelangelo used? How did it, yeah, you know how it happened? It happened because my wife looked at me one day and said, you know, we just went on this vacation to Italy for the very first time. And I could tell, you just love this Michelangelo. Robbie, you're a great surgeon. You really love this stuff. I bet you, you're also a great sculptor. I looked at her, I go, what do I know about sculpting? I'm a surgeon, but I love the art of Michelangelo. No, she said, I bet you you could do it. I had no idea. She gives me a UCLA extension catalog. Wednesday nights from 7 to 10 o'clock at night. I go like a student from UCLA. What do I know? Changed my life. I got to tell you this story. I may be running up against it, but I'm going to tell you. So the first class, the professor, UCLA, Marianne Devine, she has since passed away. May she rest in peace. She looks at this class of UCLA students and me, yours truly, and says, I want you all to work in some stone that's easy to work with. Let's use sandstone. I raise my hand. I go, do you mind if any of us work in Carrara marble like Michelangelo used? She goes, what are you, crazy? It's the hardest rock to work on. It's so dense. You need something soft. This is a beginning class. So, you know, like uh, my eyebrows are going up. Okay. She says, and I want us all to make, we'll start at the beginning class. I'll teach you the tools you can use. We're going to make something simple like a pyramid or, a, or an egg shape, a geometric shape. That's what we're going to do. I raised my hand. I said, do you mind if any of us try to copy Michelangelo's sculpture of Brutus? She looks at me. She goes, are you going to do that in Carrara marble, young man or old man? I said, yes. She goes, sir, we're going to be over here doing sandstone of pyramids and eggs and cylinders and geometric shapes. You can do whatever you want. It's a free country. Okay, so there I am in this beginning class with a hunk of marble from Italy. They're all using sandstone. And I've got my books out with the pictures of Brutus. And I'm trying to copy one of the greatest sculptures of all time that's in the Bargello Museum in Florence as a beginning class. So the class starts at seven. You know how you know you love something? I looked up five minutes later and it was 10 o'clock. Three hours was like five minutes. That's how much I threw myself into this. And after a couple of weeks, she comes up to me. She goes, you know, you don't belong in this class, Dr. Clapper. You belong in a different class. And it changed my life. 
going then to Italy to the quarries, and I became a sculptor. But people go, oh, you're fantastic. You can make all these sculptures. You can go on my website. You'll see all the sculptures that I can make. But it's my wife. I had no idea. And let me tell you something. When you give credit, when you get the credit, you deflect it. Ah, it's a heavenly thing to do. And we don't do it enough. I can't do the show without Rebecca, without Tyler, without Greg Bergman, without Sam Pines and Tiffany, the people that are behind the scenes. That's what allows this to happen. So buckle your seatbelt because you're about to be taken on a journey of forgiveness and thankfulness and the good things in life because we're going to hear in 1972 what it sounded like when someone's life changed at the Emmys. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, there it is, Rebecca. That's the theme. Of Hill Street Blues, a show absolutely crafted from the brain of Stephen Bochco. Changed the way we watched TV, that show, on so many levels. But Stephen Bochco did not become Stephen Bochco without Peter Falk putting him in the limelight. And you're about to hear why. Don't forget, we have to do some clap revision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I'm going to talk about what happens when you have your meniscus removed the old days. One of the surgeries I did this week was on a man who had an open meniscectomy. No arthroscopy days. I'm going back to the 80s. His surgery was in the 70s. They rip apart your knee and take out your meniscus. Guess what happens? You end up needing Dr. Clapper later in your life to do an implant in your knee because you're bone on bone. But I want to describe and talk about that. And I certainly want to do some clap revision with the Warriors, and I mean the professional athlete, not the Golden State Warriors, but our very own LeBron James, who's got a sprained groin muscle, his adductor muscle. Thankfully, it's not torn, but oh boy, is it painful. And we need to do a clap revision because what exactly is an adductor muscle and why does it hurt? And my clap revision will involve a hot dog in a bun. What does that have to do with your groin muscle? Ah, stay tuned. You're going to figure it out. And you'll understand 
why it is so exquisitely painful. But get, let's get right into it. And don't forget, we have to talk about food. I was thinking all week about, you know, winning this award. Well, the award for the best pizza in the world, in America, and it ain't in L.A., that's for sure. But I can give you a comparable place to go to. Go to. But I put on Twitter a picture which literally, you look at this picture of this pizza that I put on. It's not just of a slice, if it's a whole pie. And you can already tell it's the greatest pizza you would ever put in your mouth. But there is a comparable place to this type of pizza here in L.A. The pizza that I'm talking about is from Brooklyn, from a place where you get online and you'll see someone online from Japan and the one behind you is from Wisconsin. I mean, people literally flying from all over the world to stand online. And I actually did it as well. And that's where that picture comes from. But the Farah Pizza, you ain't flying to Brooklyn tomorrow. But where can you get something that tastes a lot like it? Mm, my mouth is watering already. I'll tell you where in L.A. is my favorite Defara look-alike pizza. But speaking about winning an award, which Defara Pizza did, in the world of art, the world of music, this is going back to 1972, my favorite TV show growing up, Columbo, was Peter Falk. Listen to what a beautiful man he is. He gets up, he's trying to say, hey, I'm supposed to winning this Emmy tell you how much it doesn't mean to me. Like all these other characters who get up who say it's no big deal. They're so full of themselves you want to throw up. But not Peter Falk. He talks about how many flights he had to take to get to Los Angeles because he missed his flight. But at the end of the speech, and I'll, I'll clue you in, you'll hear him thank that little pisher, that writer in his little cubicle just starting out, who never wrote a mystery before, Stephen Bochco. But listen to the great Peter Falk. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, it's terrific to win. I, uh, I'm trying to figure out some way to appear humble. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not going to work. Uh, I... Uh, I was in New York yesterday. Today is Sunday, isn't it? And uh, I had some business in the morning, and I did two shows, and then I grabbed a cab, and I raced to the airport, and I tried to catch that at 11 o'clock. I figured to miss it, and I did. He misses his flight. And here he is about to tell you it's no big deal to win an Emmy. Oh, are you kidding? So I laid over in, in Kennedy for three hours to catch Eastern out to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I was there for two hours. I Delta into Dallas, Texas, and... I was two hours there to get TWA into L.A. and I know it's not a very interesting story. I just... I only mention it because I wanted to point out that uh, in regard to whether or not I wanted to be here, I was relatively indifferent. Because uh. he's a humble man. But here we go. This is the end of the speech where he says, I want to thank the men who created it. Dick Levinson, Bill Link. But then at the very end, Stephen Bochco. So listen to this. But I wouldn't be here and there wouldn't be any Columbo. Uh, there wouldn't be any show. There wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for uh, uh, Bill Link and Dick Levinson. Uh, 
Uh, they, they created this character and they created the format and they wrote and they produced and, and it's their idea. It's the, their baby. The, the whole thing is theirs and I'm very grateful to them. I uh, also want to thank Dick Irving. He's believed in this thing for about five years and fought for it, and I don't think with his, without his persistence, I don't know whether it'll be on the air. Here we go. I can thank Everett Chambers for a lot of things. I, I think I'll pick two, making me laugh and being a man. And uh, uh, Steve Bochco for the writing he did every week. Do you hear? And Steve Bochco. That's it. For the writing he did every week. Imagine being Stephen Bochco. I can't imagine being Stephen Bochco, but guess what? We are all Stephen Bochco. We're all nobodies until someone says our name and acknowledges our contribution. Okay, guess what? You're about to hear Stephen Bochco, this world-renowned TV writer. Got won a million Emmys. But now you're going to hear him talk about that very moment that you just heard listen to this bill and dick's office you know peter would go in there and yeah, you know, yeah. but then he'd always come out and he'd stick his head in my little cubby hole of, of, of an office where i was typing and he was so sweet to me how you doing how you doing you know how's it going you know oh, that script was great you know this is this and, this. and in that first year when he was nominated as best actor uh and he won and when he went up, he made this wonderful uh, speech in, in which, among other things, he thanked me by name. And it really sort of put me on the map. I mean, suddenly, I was somebody, you know, working in the business. It was very, he was a wonderful guy. He, he meant a lot to me. Isn't that beautiful? The acknowledgement, the simple easy act of Peter Falk, a famous actor at that point, acknowledging a 20-year-old brand-new writer, and then that writer becoming world-renowned, going back to the beginning, ah, that's what the beauty of life is. Now I want you to hear Bochco talk about how it all started, how he became that little Pisher writer unemployed, got hired, and how it all came about. What a wonderful story that, thank God, Jody Delaney and the METV archives has preserved. Yeah, he told me about Columbo, and he said, you know, the guys want to meet me. And I said, Dick, I said, I, it's a mystery show. I said, I don't know anything about mystery writing. It's just, it's a mystery. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Uh, about that stuff. Um, he said, do it. It's going to be great. It'll be fine. Because I'd actually been laid off. This was in 1971. And I'd, I'd been laid off for been like six or eight weeks. He's laid off. He doesn't have a job. And uh, they told me what they were doing. And they just said, come on, you'll work with us. First of all, I, they had the pilot. So I was able to look at the pilot for... Uh, for Colombo, it was a movie that they had written called Prescription Murder. Um, and it was great, you know. Peter Falk, who had not been their choice for the role. Uh, they wanted Bing Crosby to be Colombo. And uh, 
for one reason or another, either Bing Crosby wasn't available or wasn't interested, whatever it was. Mm. So this is how it all begins for him. You know, I just said, well, okay, hell, I'll do this. You guys want me to do it, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, that show put me on the map. It was a remarkable experience. I mean, I didn't know anything about that kind of writing. Uh, you know, the intricate plotting of, of Columbo um, that Bill and Dick were masters at, just masters at. Uh, you know, and they plot these damn things out and say, okay, here, go write it. Wow. You know, and then I'd, I'd write a script, and then they'd rewrite it. <laughs> and the first one I ever wrote, uh, called Murder by the Book, was directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, who was a kid at Universal at the time, yeah. as was I. And, and you know, we were, we were great pals. We'd go to lunch at Arts Deli every day and, you know, talk about what we were doing and what we wanted to do. And, and he was doing this Columbo. And, I mean, we just had a great time. Uh, and that episode got nominated for an Emmy. Mm. They taught me so much about structure. You know, and, 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 and how to drive a story. Uh, but they also taught me some marvelous lessons about character. You, you know, and, and, and how the story serves the character. And, and of course, because I was a young writer and, and prone to, you know, a lot of the sort of overwriting that young writers indulge in. Listen to this lesson. Where Dick Levinson says, you don't have to write all the intricacies of what Columbo does as a detective. Don't worry. Peter Falk already knows how to do that. Write less. That's exactly right. Write less. Don't overwrite. When they would rewrite me, they would always, with great respect, explain to me why they were doing what they were doing. And, and I remember Levinson told me something that I never forgot. He said, he said, Peter Falk is Columbo. He said, you don't have to write all of that stuff because that's Peter. You don't have to write Peter because Peter is Peter. Isn't this amazing? A world-renowned writer, Stephen Bochco, telling you, all the people along the way that taught him, coached him to allow him to become the famous Emmy-winning writer. The more you get, the more you give it away. That's how it should work, and you'll feel better. Because Peter is Peter. He says, if you write that stuff, and then Peter does what you're writing on top of being Peter, it's over the top. He said, so you want to really underwrite this character because Peter is so quirky and so imaginative with all that stuff. It was a wonderful lesson in, in you know, letting the actor fill the role, uh, you know, and, and, and not being such a control freak about, you know, every little characteristic that it, that it, that it sort of almost chokes the actor off because Peter... Peter was that guy. What a wonderful lesson to learn from winning an Emmy Award. 
and hearing about the speech and hearing about the behind the scenes and how it absolutely touched both of them. Where in the world of sports do you see this unique individual award immediately going out to the folks who helped make it happen? Coming up next, I can't wait for you to hear again, Kevin Durant, teammates he's talking about, specifically Karan Butler, but Russell Westbrook was there as well. But it's really an MVP in the NBA, and he says, no, I'm not the MVP. My mom is the MVP. You got to hear this. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Is that the Columbo theme or is that the Ironside? Ironside, okay. Good job, Rebecca. Quincy Jones, awesome. But it sounds also a lot like the Columbo theme. Listen to the, I don't even know what kind of synthesizer makes that sound. I'm going to click on the Columbo theme. Let's listen to that because it sounds a lot alike. That's like... You hear that music, it's a lot like seeing that neon pickle relish where you know this is definitely synthesized. This is not a color of something you should be eating that is in the natural world, right? That neon pickle that they put. No, no, that's what that music is. That's not a guitar, a drum, a trumpet. Don't make that music. That's you putting your finger in an outlet with wet hands and getting electrocuted. That's what that sound is. But somehow Quincy Jones and Billy Goldenberg, who wrote that theme, somehow figured out how to use that crazy music to, uh, to sound right. <laughs> Amazing. You know, this week, I should, I, I'm going to share something with you. In my own way, because I can't do a show about this, and we're about to hear Kevin Durant thanking his teammates and his mom. But with the Lakers being so god-awful, the Rams being god-awful, Los Angeles is blessed to have a winner. And it ain't the Dodgers either. It's the soccer team. And when I started here 12 years ago, the reason I got started was two guys. Brian Long and Dave Denholm. That's who got me into this business along with Mike Thompson and A. Martinez. That's how it all started. Do you have any idea what joy it gives me 12 years later that I've been, I'm still doing this show and loving it 
but to hear Dave Denholm, our very own Dave, on top of the world. Trust me, when he started doing soccer, he was like swept under the rug around here. Now, oh my God, Dave Denholm, LAFC, they're the true champions. So guess what I did? I'm a man of my word. I texted Dave. This is what I texted him. Hi, Dave. I just wanted to tell you how happy I am for you now that LAFC has won. I hear your voice, and it makes me so proud to know that we're friends. In two weeks, I'm interviewing a journalist from England who wrote a book about Maradona. You have brought soccer to so many of us, and your passion for the game is so special. Talk soon, Dr. Clapper. He immediately texts me back from Ohio, where he lives. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. You're one of my favorite people, and I love the success you have had. Your kind words mean a lot to me, and I truly appreciate our friendship. That's exactly right. He wrote more things, but they're too juicy, and I'm not telling you them. But did it cost me anything to do that? No. Go ahead and say thank you to the people when you have some success and people acknowledge you, don't just take it all in. Right away, start thinking about the people that got you there. And that's what Kevin Durant is about to do. Listen to this from 2013, winning the NBA MVP award. I come from, I come from a small county outside of Washington, D.C. called PG County. Me, my mom, my brother, we moved so many different places growing up. And hmm. it felt like a box. It felt like there was no getting out. My dream was to become uh, a rec league coach. That's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay home and, and help the kids out and, and be a coach. I love basketball so much. I love playing it. I just never thought that I could make it to college, NBA, or stand up here today in front of you guys and be an NBA MVP. So here he is amazed at himself that he's there. The dream came true. But here's where he takes a turn for the better. It's just, it's just a surreal feeling. And I had so much help. That's right. So many people believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. So many people doubted me. And motivated me every single day to be who I am. I fell so many times and got back up. I've been through the toughest times with my family. But I'm still standing. This is where the emotions start. He starts crying. He can't stop. My mom, I think she just wanted to get me and my brother out the house for a couple hours. Um, but when I walked into the gym, I fell in love with the game. And I didn't fall in love with it just because it was me playing. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it because I got guys like this. Um, like these guys every single day that push me to be the best player I can be. Listen to him talk about his teammate, Karan Butler, who, by the way, was Kobe's best friend. I want to single him out. Karan, even though you just got here uh, a few months ago, you know, We've grown so close uh, over these last few weeks. And I can remember when you first got here, you wrote a piece of paper in my locker. I don't know why I'm crying so much, man. 
You wrote a piece of paper in my locker and said, KD, MVP. And that's after we had lost two or three straight. And um, I don't really like, I don't really say much, you know, in those moments, but I remember that. I go home and I think about that stuff, man. When you got people behind you, you can do whatever. And I thank you, man. I appreciate you. That's just makes the award that much more polished. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys. By the time you were 21 years old, everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. Mm. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. You the real MVP. That's right. What a moment for him to go back to the beginning. Because he's the big shot. But who took care of him when he was a little shot? It enriches your life when you can go back and find those people who helped you along the way. Because trust me, nobody's doing it alone. In art, in sports, and in my world of surgery, and even the radio, all of it. You're a richer person when you know how to give gratitude and let the people know how much you meant to them, whether it's Stephen Bochco and Peter Falk or it's Kevin Durant and his mom. Coming up next, let's do some clapper vision. I want to talk about LeBron James and what exactly is the anatomy of the groin? What is an adductor strain? If you've pulled your groin muscle, you're no different in how you're made than LeBron James. But I also want to take you into the operating room because of some unbelievably cool cases that I did this week. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 710. Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. With tinted windows. Can you imagine? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. While I'm in Italy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. 
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Sly and the Family Stone, thanking you for letting me be myself again. Yep. What do they say? Be yourself because everybody else has been taken. All right, the line's lit up. Let's go to Andrew and Downey. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? How's it going, Dr. Clapper? I'm uh, doing... Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. You listen often. You know what Clapper Vision is? Yeah, so I've been listening uh, on and off every other week, uh, maybe about three years since I moved back to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah, you can imagine I'm doing this for 12 years, Andrew. I can't believe it myself. That's a long time to be on the radio. Yes, most definitely. Unbelievable. How young are you? What do you do for a living, Andrew? I am a veterinary tech and doctor's assistant. Um, so I'm normally handling dogs, uh, restraining, helping, lifting, all that good stuff. Wow. In a few uh, weeks, I'm going to have my favorite veterinarian on the radio as a guest. I can't wait to talk to him. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. All right. How can I help you? What's up with you? So I'm currently recovering from a rotator cuff surgery I had in late April. They also found a torn bicep ligament. Um, they said it was fully torn or as close to fully torn as could be. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously with the cold coming in, I've been getting my butt kicked with it. But nonetheless, I, I think uh, I made the right decision in getting the surgery. Um, there's been days where I don't, I'm not as happy with how I feel, but... Uh, little by little, I do see the progress. The phases of recovery from surgery, particularly to your rotator cuff and your shoulder. Remember, the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the entire body. You could be flexible with your hip, but nothing is like your shoulder. And the secret comes from the geometry of how the shoulder is made. Yeah, it's a ball and socket joint, but if the ball of your hip and the ball of your shoulder is a golf ball, in your hip, the golf ball, the femoral head, sits inside a coffee cup. That's how thick the wall is of the socket that's in your pelvis, the acetabulum. But in your shoulder, the socket is as shallow. It's not deep like the golf ball inside a coffee cup. The shoulder, the golf ball, is actually on the little dish the coffee cup sits in, the, the flatness uh -huh. of the plate. The glenoid is very shallow. It's like a golf ball on a golf tee. And that unique shallowness to the socket is what gives you so much mobility and the range of motion that the shoulder can have. But what ends up happening, Andrew, is that the structures that not only help move the shoulder, the, the 17 different muscles that attach to the scapula or the shoulder blade, they play a role in this beautiful robotic way to move your arm, and but they also participate in helping to stabilize it. So the biceps tendon, which you tore, is actually plays a role not only in moving your arm, but actually in help in keeping the ball located in the shallow socket. So when it tears the rotator cuff and the biceps tendon, you not only lose in the musculature and the movement of your shoulder, but you actually also start to lose the benefits of those tendons and muscles giving stability so that the ball doesn't dislocate. So it's so much going on, these multiple uses for this anatomy 
to not only move the arm, but also to keep it in place. These are the challenges that these muscles have. And afsaluchus, which is a Yiddish term, when you end up tearing or damaging any of these muscles, you now not only as a surgeon have to deal with the effects on movement of the arm, but also on keep also on keeping it in place. And there are acute versions of keeping it in place. And then there are chronic problems with not keeping it in place. What do I mean? Because the acute problem is dislocating. The chronic problem of a semi-loose shoulder, no longer as stable, is you get arthritis. And yesterday, one of the surgeries I did was in a man not that old that I had to replace his shoulder because he just wore out the tires. He just wore out the cartilage. So I'm not a big fan of cutting the biceps tendon and fusing it, which sounds like is what they did to your shoulder. But I am a big fan of fixing the rotator cuff. But the phases of healing are, number one, heal the wounds without an infection. That's number one before anything else gets to be talked about. Number two, get things to heal. So usually you'll be put in a brace to allow the the stitches that we use to reattach tendons to the bone to do their magic and heal. That's phase two, to leave it be. Phase three is now the healing has occurred, usually four to six weeks after the surgery, and now you begin physical therapy and exercises to, in my opinion, attain range of motion. The mistake many therapists, many doctors, many patients make is right away, (coughs) excuse me, right away, they can't wait to start getting stronger. No, don't jump ahead to that phase of recovery. You will screw things up. What you do is the third phase after healing of the wounds, after the tendons have fused back to the bone, the third of the fourth of four phases is to get range of motion. That's the beauty of physical therapy and exercise. Later, you do strengthening, not right away. So you got to be careful to make sure you're doing the recovery in the right phases. How long does it take to get better? Complicated shoulder rotator cuffs, six months. Easier rotator cuffs, three months. But I'm here to tell you, Andrew, all surgery takes a year. Dr. Clapper, why so long? Because it takes nine months to have a baby, and God didn't ask me how long it should take. That's the reason. How's that? Oh, that that makes perfect sense, and it gives me a little more uh, you know, peace of mind. Good. That I'm not doing it the wrong way or Good. that, you know, Good. taking the proper steps. All right, Andrew, I'm proud of you. Now, listen, you're a total stranger. Look how I'm helping you. I want you to find a total stranger today. You do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right? That's much appreciated, and I will do. All right, young man. God bless you, and thanks for calling. All right. I think we'll uh, take a break, tell some stories. Coming up next, I cannot wait at 8.15 to talk to Jody Delaney because some of the sound bites you're about to hear come from the organization that she's in charge of, the Emmys for Television, and archiving these interviews with the, the greats, the legendary people behind the scenes for what the golden age of television was all about. We'll get into it. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN.